One good player who hasn't been quite as good as the Mets might have hoped in 2015 so far is the reigning Rookie of the Year, Jacob deGrom. We will not be using the phrase sophomore slump on this podcast, so I guess technically I just did. Um, But are you worried at all about Jacob deGrom, Steve? No. Salutations, Mets fans, and welcome to episode 150 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. It's our NLCS Game 3 recap. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and the once again is Steve Sippa. Steve! In Game 3 of the NLCS, Wilmer Flores drove a ball into the Ivy, causing a ground rule double, according to the ground rules. Wrigley Field, probably costing the Mets a run, though it did not matter in the end. So if you could add one crazy outfield feature to City Field to mess with the ground rules there, what would you do? <laughs> well, earlier in the season when we were talking about when there's a lot of discussion about moving the walls in, a lot of people brought up the uh, idea of having movable walls that would be brought in when the Mets are up at bat and then pushed out when the opposing team is at bat. So got to go with the moving walls. 200 feet <clears throat> to dead center when the Mets are up, 450 when the opposing team is up. Brings no, new meaning to the term Little League home run, I suppose. <laughs> I'm keeping it local, and in this case, locavore. I'm also just repeating what I said on Twitter. Uh, I think <clears throat> Roberta's or some other restaurant of that ilk just rent out the warning track as an urban garden space. And any, like, ball that rolls into the tail or giant stalks of fennel, it's just a ground rule double. Giant stalks of fennel. Yeah. Well, we could go retro and have, like, the uh, the bullpen tomato garden just mm. expand. Expand the, expand it out the whole. Into the, into the outfield, yeah. Attack of the kill tomatoes over here. Or strawberries. Those things spread like... Uh, crazy too I think once you get them going so the Mets won again Steve it's crazy we're, I mean, we're just really going to be repeating ourselves it's the same game three <laughs> times in a row good pitching Daniel Murphy homered the Mets scrap, scratched together a few other runs here and there they played Dance at Kaduro, only not really because it's in Chicago Jairus Familia saves the game we move on well, let's move on one more game in Chicago and then on to uh, Toronto or Kansas City. This is crazy. I know, I know. I will say it looked again like Jacob deGrom didn't really have it, and then I looked up and he pitched into the seventh inning. I know, it's it like, really is uncanny. This 20 innings, 27 strikeouts, uh, five walks, only four of which were unintentional. Four runs allowed. It's He just... And he really hasn't had a game... I mean, I guess the game one against the Dodgers after the first couple innings 
it was more like a Jacob DeGrom start where he has everything working. It just took him a couple innings or so to get there. The last two have not been Jacob DeGrom stars where he's had everything working. And he's, you know, pitched 13 innings and four runs. I mean, it's not like they've really been slogs. He's just hasn't had it, but he's been able to get it done. And the Cubs were a tough matchup. They were not fishing against his off-speed stuff. They were hitting his fastballs uh, when he came in with them, and he just sort of kept muddling through. I mean, didn't didn't the Cubs early in the year hand to Grum, you know, his worst loss of the year? Yeah, before the Phillies game, yes. Yeah, and that was you know San Soler, I think, and Schwarber. Yep. So I mean, this is a you know a better Cubs team, and yet he was he was he was much better this time around. I had nothing left to say on Daniel Murphy. I had nothing. I really just... <laughs> it's just you start laughing. Just Murph's gonna Murph. And he's currently murphing. I'm sure I've told this story before on the podcast, because it seems like a story I would have told multiple times already. But uh, when I was watching Miguel Sano, and I'm not about to comp Daniel Murphy to Miguel Sano, by <laughs> oh, the way. God. I'm just trying to set the scene. Um, when I was watching Miguel Sano in New Britain a couple of years ago, you know, he hit, I think it was maybe on consecutive days, he hit just two of the longest home runs I've ever seen um, from behind home plate. And on the second one, I just looked at one of the, one of the other scouts, and we just started like laughing uproariously. And that's my reaction to like every time Daniel Murphy hits a home run. Now is just like insane, crazy laughter. Because what else can you do? I mean, he has six home runs now. His total output for this season was fifteen, I believe it was. Sounds off right. the top of my head, and you know his average is about twelve. I mean, he's had I mean, full. I think I saw he's had full seasons where he hit. Six home runs. Yeah, I mean, he he's... I don't even know what to say. You know, he's he's seen the ball well. I mean, against Kershaw, you know, can you see the ball well against Kershaw? Can you just, see the ball well just, against, you know, against Granky? I don't know. But. It's, it's, it's... This is a thing that is happening, essentially, <laughs> is what it comes down to. Also nice to see Cespedes and Wright get going a little bit tonight. Granted, it was against, you know, Kyle Hendricks and the back-end Cubs starters pitching out of the pen. But still, every little bit helps. And, uh... Kyle Schwarber in corner outfield. Also a thing <laughs> that helps. He is a big boy. Look, the bat will play anywhere. I'm not as high on Schwarber's bat as some, but, you know, it's a, you know, 260-30 home run type, probably. That plays anywhere. Even with bad defense in a corner. It'll be bad defense in a corner. He's probably not a catcher. Um, but, yeah, it was not, it was not good. And it was funny for, you know, I thought the Mets defense would be a bigger issue, but I also didn't think that Madden would position his players like this, or punt defense, I suppose, as much as he has in the series thus far. But, you know, the Mets really haven't had, outside of the the ball Agaris misplayed in game two, 
I really can't point to... Was Flores' throwing error in Game 1, or was that in the Dodgers series? I don't even recall that. Yeah, so I can't really think, but you know, outside of that, I can't really think. I think Darno maybe airmailed a uh, stolen base throw, too, at one point. That may have all tied to the Dodgers series. It all bleeds together. Yeah. But the defense really hasn't been an issue. Well, I mean, Granderson, you know, when Granderson, his issue is his arm, but his, he's rangy enough out there. Lagares obviously is Lagares. Uh, Cespedes has has really you know I I never really paid very much attention to his career defensively you know when he was with Oakland and the Tigers but he surprised me that he's a much better center fielder than I ever gave him credit for. He's plus in a corner and he can handle center field. Yeah, and then you know, Rice looked good. Oh, that play he made tonight was was impressive. Like a jumping play. I think it was in the ninth or the eighth. Yeah. I don't know. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> and Familia just keeps plugging along. They gotta get him. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Poor figure, guy. You figure you, they went in four or five. He gets, you know, multiple days off after that. But it's just like, gee, he just keeps plugging along. Well, I mean, the one other guy that I would trust in a high effort situation like that, Clipper, just really has not looked good. Yeah, that eighth inning was... Yeah, harrowing, and it's like he just—it was just a Tyler Clifford inning. Yeah, he got a strikeout, got a ripped extra base hit, got a weak pop out, and then a fly ball that scared you a little bit but stayed in the park. It's pretty much the Tyler Clifford experience. Sometimes that fly ball that scares you a little bit goes out of the park. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. Tonight it did not. Fortunate. We just keep moving on. I have no frame of reference for what comes next, by the way. <laughs> we are in uncharted Profit. territory. Profit. We have a few emails to answer, so we'll get to those. Before we do emails, we do housekeeping. It's Amazing Avenue Audio, episode 150. A milestone episode. Hmm. Yeah, I mess around a, on the cusp of a milestone of their own. Let's put it this way. One way or the other, this series will end on some sort of milestone. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what happens. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. You can find us on the internet at AmazingAvenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Amazing Avenue. You can find the podcast on iTunes. Just for, search for Amazing Avenue Audio and you can listen or subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also cur- encourage you to rate and review the podcast. Find the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com slash Amazing Avenue. Listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post at Amazing Avenue proper. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. Apparently, I made my most popular tweet ever tonight, oh, nice. Steve. Yes, and it was a Pokemon reference, so. Awesome. Yeah, I did not expect that. I don't even play the game. I'm just familiar with the meme, so. Give the people what they want, I suppose. <laughs> My co-host this week is Steve Sippa. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Sippa. That was the housekeeping. These are your emails. You can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. And our first email is from Ross. Hey, AA team. As a first-year Mets fan and first-year baseball follower, how guilty <laughs> should I feel to have walked into such a good year? 
I appreciate that everyone has to suffer through a fair amount of down years, but as far as I'm concerned, it's all sunshine and roses. Admittedly, as I'm following from Scotland, my decision to watch all the playoff games live is taking its own toll. Still, it's easier to stay up to watch winning baseball. Cheers for the great podcast. Let's go Mets. So I don't give a shit about bandwagon fans. Yeah. I'm not even qualifying Ross as that specifically because he picked the team at the beginning of the year when they were, you know. It's just good timing on his part. Yeah. <laughs> Some fans start rooting in 86 or 99 in 2000 or 2006. Some start rooting in 1987 like myself. Late 70s for some people. You just, you don't know. Welcome to the club. I am a welcoming person. As long as you can chant Let's Go Mets and clap on the proper beat for that, that is my barrier to entry, essentially. And none of this Let's Go Mets who shit at yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, enjoy the ride. That's all I can say about that. There'll be plenty of time for pain later, Ross. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> never, never too far away. You'll earn your, your stripes over the years like the rest of us. I don't, I don't like, I get this. I mean, when it comes out, it's the same five people on Twitter, like, trying to police this. And it's just like, what? Who cares? People are policing bandwagonness on oh, Twitter? Of course they are. Of course they are. I don't need to fight. Come on, guys. Really? I mean, the level of bitter old crank you have to be to to do that is beyond me, and I'm a bitter old crank in a lot of ways. It just doesn't... You're not special as a Mets fan. It's just you're not. And, I mean, if you're on Twitter at all, you're in the minority for Mets fans. I don't get it. But cheers, Ross, and welcome aboard. Yep. Our next email is from... He's emailed before he didn't put his name on this one. I hate it when people do this. (laughs) Hang on. Begins with an M, so I should probably just guess Michael. That's... It is. It actually is Michael. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Hey, is this a wrestling question? We'll warn everyone ahead of time, but I'm in a good mood because the Mets are up 3-0, so we'll answer it. <laughs> and it's right up your alley anyway, Steve. Hey, Jeff and co-hosts. And recently reading that CM Punk cursed out a Mets fan on Twitter for making a fun joke <laughs> at his expense. If you had to choose a wrestler, it could be any, to curse you out on Twitter, who would it be? <laughs> Here's a link if you don't know about it. I think I saw somebody retweeted this into my feed, and CM Punk is from Chicago and a Chicago sports fan. And also a bit of a dick. Um, oh, very much. Generally on Twitter and elsewhere. So who would you like to uh, raise the ire of in a sports context or otherwise? I mean, if it's in twi- if it's on Twitter, the and if it's a wrestler and it's on Twitter, the only person that you could hope would curse you out would be the Iron Sheik. Yeah, is that even like a... A badge of honor at this point. He does it to everyone. <laughs> Still, though, I'm sure you could pay him. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, you pay them to leave him a voice. You can pay them, and you know, he'll leave a voicemail cursing you out or I'm something. Sure I'm sure. Starter or something. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um. Another one I could also go for, not on Twitter necessarily, would be like an old school John Cena kind of rap diss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That would be uh, would be interesting. And not necessarily curse me out, but I would like to be trolled by Kevin Owens on Twitter. He is good he's at very good people. at trolling people on Twitter. So I would want at least like a high level of um, maybe a high concept troll of some sort. <laughs> he is an artist. He is. He's very he he carries over the heel persona well to Twitter. And English isn't even his first language, so. And I think that's the most impressive thing, really. I mean, he's, he's not to get on a tangent, but he's probably, like, you know, in the top tier of, you know, promo guys in the WWF right now. Mm. And and the fact that English isn't even his first name is pretty impressive. Yeah, and that's, you know. I mean, first, first language, whoops. <laughs> that's usually something that, uh, you know, is a immediate... red mark for you as a wrestler in WWE in terms of your push if you can't cut a good promo in English. So it's impressive how good he is. Immediately good. I mean, he was always a good promo on the indie circuit, too. There was one he said, was it to Alex Riley? How to pump gas when he sees him in a couple years in New Jersey. It was really good, whatever it was. Oh. Our next email is from John. Hey guys, I was going to suggest that someone needs to take some roundup to the Wrigley Field Ivy. But since the Mets won, I guess it can stay. It's actually kind of charming in an annoying kind of way. So yeah, it didn't end up making a difference in the course of the game. However, it fucking cost us a Wilmer Flores inside the park home run, I know. Steve. I went, which would have it... been the greatest baseball play <sighs> in the history of the sport. When I was just kind of like half paying attention, half looking at my phone... And I saw, you know, it gets by so late. I'm like, oh, that's definitely inside the park and run. And I'm like, who's up? Who's up? And I was like, my mom tells me Flores. It's like, oh, shit, this is going to happen. <laughs> oh, god damn it. Unfortunately, Very it was just annoying. not meant to be. Very upset about that. Not a fan of how the, the, the ground rules, you know, basically deadens the ball and... That the fact that the the ivy you know covers the entire wall from you know top to bottom, it just I could understand a ball bouncing into the ivy and getting lost. Okay, it's you know it's yeah, a thing ball. was just like rolling, right? Like something it just rolls. Basically, you know I don't, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. Trim your invasive weeds. Seriously. Finally, emails from Tom. Once again, I have no question. However, I have a long commute, so you should talk about this for a while. We're keeping these podcasts short, Tom. I've already picked up a stomach bug. My circadian rhythms are shot. It's a small price to pay. Look, if you want to to wait for a regular length podcast for your long commute, you'll have to wait for the World Series preview, hopefully. The parallels between Familia on the mound in the rain against the Padres and tonight were creeping me out. You and everyone else, dude. <laughs> Bizarre, the absolute nadir of the season and a night as incredible as tonight can be so similar. Also, I am much more excited for David Wright right now than any rational human should be. Love the Mets. Hashtag. Love the Mets. I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, I'm just I'm happy David's starting to hit a little bit. You yeah. know, he's been he's been walking. That's good. So he hasn't been completely useless. I mean, it's seven and... games. It's not right, right, right. But he he's it's it's just one of those things where you know at the end of the season, good or bad, 
whatever happens, people, you know, when, once the hot stove starts to get warm and people start looking, you know, whatever for reasons to complain, you know, people are going to be like, oh, David Wright only hit, you know, 125 in the playoffs. I just don't want to hear that kind of stupid crap. Familia pitched very quickly. Well, it's probably fucking cold out there. <laughs> I would too. It was actually warm at game. Warm game. I don't know if it cooled down with the rain coming in, but I just can't think pitching in the rain's got to be like the shittiest thing in the world. I don't like just walking in the rain. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I listened to Danza Kaduro I think roughly a hundred times in the last week. <laughs> it's actually quite catchy. Huh. I think I can also do the entire, like, intro to the music video. <laughs> like, from memory. It's not good, but it's also awesome. He can never change that, like, walk-up music now. It's going to become, like, Enter Sandman for him. Mm. Baseball players are also incredibly superstitious, so I doubt he will. That's true. Alright, those are your emails. Once again, you can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. We're back tomorrow. Game four. Steven Matz against, I guess it's Jason Hamill unless they change that, which they probably should. If I were the Cubs manager. Probably. Well, if the matchup stays as is, obviously I think we have an advantage. And having an advantage, being up three games to none in the NLCS is kind of exciting. It's something if Steven Matz sends them there, too. And what is Steven Matz? He is a motherfucker. Someday we will, uh... See the news level, probably soon. Maybe tomorrow. I think getting him back in a regular rhythm will be helpful as well. But one way or the other, we'll be here to talk about it on another edition. We head into our second 150 episodes, century and a half. I don't even know how many we've done. It's more than that. One of these days I mean to go back and like count how many episodes we've actually done, but <laughs> I'm really actually excited for potential Mets Royals World Series. Since Andy McCullough was the guest on the first ever episode of Amazing yes. Avenue Audio, I'll have to get him back for the preview. That's true, he is out there now. But that's still a couple maybe only one, but a couple episodes away on Amazing Avenue audio.